Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, Not a Worldly Gift, and is based on John chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. It was delivered on Sunday, May 22nd, 2022, by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. We need the promise Jesus first offered to his disciples now more than ever, I think. I say that because our world is experiencing more and more unrest. The war in Ukraine rages on. COVID-19 remains a threat in every nation. And now we're dealing with monkeypox. There's even economic unrest. We know that this is going to be one expensive summer for all of us. Gas prices are going up, the inflation is soaring, and then you couple that with the social unrest. We are a divided people. We're talking about Roe v. Wade again. Uh, we're, We're dealing with the southern border. We're talking about immigration issues. The list goes on and on and on, and God forbid you bring this up at the dinner table, lest you offend someone. But according to an article by David Brooks, Uh, He says that Americans are now less happy than at any time since they started measuring happiness 50 plus years ago. And he also added, Americans now express less pride in their nation than at any time since Gallup started measuring it 20 plus years ago. We need peace. We need his peace. And then there's the mental health crisis. I don't know if you're paying attention to what's going on. The mental health crisis is taking a turn for the worse. It's, it's really bad. It was fueled, of course, by COVID-19 quarantining and isolation. But before the pandemic, 50 million Americans experienced mental illness. That's 20% of the population. of people who are struggling internally. Suicidal ideation continues to increase among adults. And then there's a sobering statistic that I learned from a friend of mine in New York City where he said, Steve, 40% of transgender people will attempt suicide at least once in their life. Most will not succeed, thank God. Depression, even among our youth, is increasing, and of course, rates of, of substance use were already reaching record highs before COVID-19 reached our shores. This is a tough time. Some of you are going through a tough patch right now. It's, it's a challenge out there. I don't know if you saw that um, post on social media that's trending right now. I, I caught it, and I thought I'd bring it into the pulpit. It's a great line. It's written on a chalkboard, and it says this. Today, you could be standing next to someone who is really trying their best not to fall apart. So whatever you do today, do it with kindness in your heart. John's gospel lesson for today, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
Oh, we need this message today. Oh, we need it. And the setting for what he was saying to his disciples is an intimate one. They are experiencing the Last Supper together. They are reclining and eating grapes and enjoying bread and talking. And interestingly enough, Jesus has saved the deepest revelations about himself for this last meal with his followers. He promises them the Holy Spirit will help them remember all that he had been teaching them, that he will always be with them through the Spirit's presence and that the end result of the Holy Spirit's work in their lives is a deep, lasting peace, shalom. Unlike worldly peace, which is usually defined as the absence of conflict, this peace is confident assurance in any circumstance, any situation. When we say each Sunday, as our liturgists faithfully do, the peace of the Lord be with you always, and you say, and also with you, we are saying that there is no reason to fear the present or the future. Uh, When I am able to make hospital visits, I always kind of go into the hospital thinking, you know what, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus today for so-and-so. I'm going to pray that the Lord will send peace to me and through me and that the person I meet with will be blessed. But more times than not, I'll go to the hospital and I'm the one who is the recipient of God's blessing. So I think of David Hugerhide. Anytime I would meet David Hugerhide, this would happen. David Hugerhide is cradle-to-grave member of this church. He died last year, 97 years in the same church, which is unheard of. 97 years in the same church. I want you to think about that. So I'd go in, sit next to Dave, and we would laugh. He would tell me everything that's going on in the world, and then somehow, through his deep, lasting faith, he would bestow Christ's peace to me in some form or fashion. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I would leave the hospital room at Porter Hills knowing I had met somehow with Christ through this man. The promise that Jesus offers is for all of his followers. It's it's a timeless promise. John Calvin, in his Institutes of the Christian Religion, describes the Holy Spirit as fons vitae, the fountain of life. And he says that the Holy Spirit is the one who grants us the gift of faith, adding in his institutes, quote, as we cannot come to Christ unless we be drawn by the Spirit of God, so when we are drawn, we are lifted up in mind and heart above our understanding. What Calvin is saying is that The Spirit is our inner teacher who illuminates us with the greatest gift we can receive, faith. Faith which takes us beyond human powers and lifts us above our trials and grants us lasting peace. I know what you're thinking. Well, how can I experience that? I'm dealing with sin, I've got doubt, I've got anger problems. I've got a plethora of other forces that are at war within me, just as they were with those first disciples. What can I do? 
How do I let go of my resentment, my bitterness, my pain? Well, Jesus would offer that if we would just trust and open our hearts to him, that he will give us this peace if we reach out and accept it. Many of you long for such peace today, or you have a friend or a loved one that's really struggling, and they've called you and you've talked to them, and and that life is spiraling out of control. We long for this peace in our world. We long for it in our nation. We long for it in our churches, in our homes, in our marriages, in our friendships, and in our hearts. It's not the absence of trouble, but this peace exists in spite of trouble. It is a peace that means rest. It is a peace that means quiet. It is a peace that is stillness. His peace pushes through all the disturbing circumstances that life can throw at us. It gives us the ability to endure and be calm in the face of extreme turmoil. It doesn't eliminate the conflict. That's not what he's saying here. But it gives us the ability to endure through the conflict. Like our teacher, our inner teacher, the Holy Spirit, his peace is an inner confidence that we know God will come through in our most difficult circumstances. And again, the context is the Last Supper. So you have to imagine these men are reclining around food with someone that they have come to know and love. The hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his father, as John 13, verse 1 says, and yet his teaching and everything else he's doing during this meal is motivated by love. Love. The Gospel of John makes it clear that Jesus loves his disciples to the bitter end, knowing the events that were about to happen, knowing that they would be on the verge of falling apart once they saw him arrested, tortured, crucified, and eventually die. But in love, Jesus reassures them and he comforts them. In love, he is faithful to the ones God has entrusted to him. In love, he graciously washes their feet. In love, he tells them that Judas will betray him. In love, he strongly encourages them to love one another. In love, he confidently tells them that he will go and prepare a place for them and then come back to get them. In love, he promises them the Holy Spirit. And in love, he gives his peace. Everything about this passage is about Jesus. It's about his character. It's about his example. He leaves nothing out in order to prepare his disciples for all that will come their way. He knows it's going to be tough. He knows that it's going to get really tough. But he also knows that by trusting in him, they do not need to be worried or afraid that this is the peace that passes all understanding. This is the peace that heals all wounds, binds all hearts. This peace that Jesus leaves with them is the hope that they will somehow uncover 
their innate capacity to feel and to understand what other people are experiencing around them. You see, when we turn our lives over to God, when we turn every part of our lives over to God, our abilities and efforts may be used to bring other people closer to God. Remember, somebody could be standing next to you who's really trying their very best not to fall apart. And Jesus says, look, I send you the Holy Spirit, the advocate. You're not alone. Be my very presence to those who need it most. Be me in those tough times. And, you know, I was thinking about our young people. You know, I think I mentioned in a sermon a few years ago that I had read the minutes at the old Dutch church in Manhasset from 1740, 1750, 1760, 1770. Yes, I am quite a glutton for punishment. But I was reading these minutes, and I'll never... The problems going on in the 1740s, the late 1740s, are, are still the problems that we face today. The, the issue the church was facing is where are our youth? Why aren't they coming to worship? And why are they intermarrying with Anabaptists? Where are they? And it dawned on me wait a minute, nothing's changed. Our young people are still seeking. Our young people are still longing. Maybe they've been turned off by the church in the past or they've been hurt. Something happened, but they hunger. Maybe, just maybe, they hunger for God because they've seen the bankruptcy over other approaches to life. They're disgusted by the hedonism and materialism that they see in greater society. They want values with with depth. They want to meet people who are real, who can talk to them, who can offer them more than just money or a sexual exchange. They want something that's tangible, that's more godly as they wend their way through the vicissitudes of life. They want peace. What about us? Will we go to them? Will we share genuinely and generously the love that we've experienced. Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross encountered a woman when she was writing her famous book on death and dying. Part of her research was um, to interview dying patients in the hospital, trying to find out just how they felt and what they thought as they faced death. As she went from room to room in the hospital, she began to notice a remarkable pattern. She writes, that sometimes she would go into a dying person's room and the person would be calm, at peace, and tranquil. And she began to notice that often this was after the patient's room had been cleaned by a certain hospital orderly. And one day, Dr. Kubler-Ross happened to run into this orderly in the hospital corridor. The doctor said to her, what are you doing with my patients? The orderly thought she was being reprimanded by the doctor, so she said, I'm not doing anything with your patients. Nothing. Dr. Kubler-Ross said, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's a good thing. Whatever you're doing, it's a good thing. After you go into their rooms, they seem at peace. I need to know what you are doing with my patients. 
I just talked to them. She said, you know, I, I had two babies of my own die on my lap, but God never abandoned me. I tell them that. I tell them the truth. I tell them that they aren't alone, that God is with them, and that they do not have to be afraid. Now, I imagine myself, maybe you can imagine yourself as that patient in the hospital room and that you've reached a really low point in your life. And then that hospital worker comes in and sits down next to you. He shares with you that he was once in your situation and he reached out to God and God was there and God helped him through a really bad situation. But by God's grace, you're, you're helped by this genuine act of caring and compassion. By God's grace, you come out of that hospital experience a stronger person than when you had gone in. And later, you look back on that experience and you wonder, who was that person? Was that an angel or was it a... person from somewhere else how do you explain it to others and what you experienced all you know is that that man or that woman took time to tell you the truth and you experienced inner peace right now as i'm preaching this sermon there are countless people who are just waiting for somebody to love them to walk into their life and share the good news and listen and to be present. Maybe, just maybe, God will send you to someone today. Maybe it's that person standing next to you who's really trying hard not to fall apart and your job is to be present, to utter a word of grace, kindness. This is the piece that Jesus gives to us. It's, it's not a worldly gift. It's, it, it's never meant to be hoarded. It, it's a peace that flows to us and from us. It's a peace that flows to us and from us to make a difference in someone else's life. Maybe that person, quite honestly, maybe that person is right here in the sanctuary this morning. And so I leave you with Jesus' words. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Let's pray. Our gracious God, thank you for the gift of your word. And thank you for your peace, which brings calm and rest, stillness. Thank you for your love that knows no bounds. And thank you for sending us into the world to be like you, to offer your love and your peace to those who need it most. God, for those who are struggling in this room today, I ask that your peace will flow to them freely. 
helps see them through this difficult time. And for others of us who may be instruments of your righteousness today, may we be sensitive to those angel urgings and spirit promptings as we seek to make a difference for you in someone else's life. Here, there, and everywhere. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids, Michigan. We hope you will give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website, centralreformedchurch.org.